Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome in. It is Fantasy Baseball Today with Scott White and Twitter at CBS Scott White. I am Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. There is so much going on. We've got standouts from Thursday, two start pitchers, lots of news, a few emails. And today, it's just me and Scott White. Hello, what? Scott. I know. What? Adam ditched us. Your babysitter's gone. He is. I, I know. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of like, yeah. I'm like a dog when you opened up the door. And I'm like, ooh, do I go out the yeah. door? Do I? What do I do here? Do I stay? You're going to be climbing do. up the shelves, pulling the, pulling the bookcase down on you because no supervision. No adult supervision here. Yeah. It's, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that any of that's happened either. So uh, thank you to everybody that's uh, tuning in here. And it'll be fun. It'll just be me and Scott. And I, of course, I'm going to interject a few prospect things as I'm a prospect guy. And Scott is obviously a great prospect guy. But let's jump right in. Favorite two-start pitchers. Uh, we're looking at guys own 70% or less in leagues. I'm going to throw this out, even though we've talked about him for a couple days uh, this week. Avon Nova. Avon Nova's got two matchups that I don't hate. 38% own. He's at Minnesota. That could be better. But also against Texas. Scott, I know you guys are not big of on Nova guys, but when you look at a list of the under 70% owned, there are a couple interesting prospects that maybe have a matchup or two that's less than likely. But what do you think? I know you don't like Nova, but Minnesota, Texas? Well, Minnesota's terrible. It's a bad a matchup. matchup. I get right. that. But um, uh, Nova has been better on the road. I think almost a run better on the road than at home. Okay. Okay. Uh, I Yeah, I imagine. I, I mean, obviously, I can't predict exactly how that's going to go but that 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 seems like a bad matchup and texas um trying to look at how they've done recently obviously their season stats look better because joey gallo was around for much of that time and he's not anymore um they haven't been doing so hot lately so yeah i mean i'm on the fence whether that's a good matchup or a bad matchup but the bottom line is i just don't believe in nova at all and like I, I'm sure the moment I put him in my lineup is when it's all going to unravel for him. And I don't, the matchups aren't nearly favorable enough for me to roll the dice personally. It I, makes, I, and it makes sense. All right. So who do you got? Who's, who's your uh, favorite two start pitching matchup for this uh, upcoming week? All right. So using the standard of a 70% cutoff, there's really only one guy who I think is a, uh, Oh man, he's seventy one. He's seventy one. I, I know. I I didn't oh, pick him because he was seventy one. Yeah, I was gonna say Brad Keller. Um, man, so it's not good. I mean, I feel probably like we can give you a pass. I, I didn't catch that. One, I was though. gonna say we could probably give you a pass for seventy one percent. But if you want to stick true to it, I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, people should start Brad Keller. One of his matchups against Baltimore, he has been emerged as an innings eater, ground ball specialist. So it's, you know, even his bad starts are more like of the four and run, five and run variety than like two and two thirds, six and runs, something like that. So, yeah, I think he's I think he's a pretty safe option beyond him, though. We have to go deeper. Um, I kind of like Eliezer Hernandez, who's only eight percent owned. So he's available everywhere. 
And he d- he did just give up four home runs when he pitched yesterday. Those were the only four runs he gave up. He is a fly ball pitcher. Matchups don't worry at all. I mean, Atlanta and Philly, Philadelphia. Yeah, um, I I think it's it's one of those starts that I would only consider in like a points league as opposed to categories league. Hernandez being RP eligible, um, like he's a pretty good swing and miss guy, and. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's obviously looking at a lot of bad choices here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what you said too, because if you want to take it to like a head-to-head standpoint, under seventy percent is not a lot of great favorable matchups if you're trying to play head-to-head to start stuff. Points leagues are things you can get away with here. Right. Exactly. Like the thresh. There's usually because I, I write a I, I do two start pitcher rankings every week for the for the website, and I I kind of have a separate cutoff for um you know traditional five by five category leagues and then points leagues because the threshold for a a, a like a like a decent start is much lower in a points league like basically if you're making two starts as long as one of them isn't such a disaster that it gives you negative points i mean you, the guy still has hope of pulling out a good week you know a couple yeah, I mean, it, it, as long as it, as long as there's not such a disaster that it's costing you points, it's it's pretty much a beneficial week for the pitcher if you use him. And I I think I think there's a decent chance Hernandez provides you with that. Okay, well, we'll definitely hit back on uh, just going through some of the two start pitchers a little bit later in the show. How about some Thursday standouts? I've got two that kind of intersect each other. You Darvish was phenomenal. Seven innings, four hits, no earned runs, no walks, ten strikeouts. Guess what? Zero walks in his last four starts, 90 strikeouts and only seven walks in his last 12 starts. Beautimous. But it was all doomed because the lead was taken away, and ultimately Bryce Harper in that game had a walk-off grand slam, hit his 25th homer off of Derek Holland after Pedro Strope was taken out. So Bryce Harper with the big old grand slam, but you Darvish is just on an absolute incredible run. Do you think... I mean, he's at he's at a spot where you're just not going to even think about matchups anymore, are you? I think he's pretty much back to ace level. Uh, you gave zero walks in his past four starts, right? Yeah. His past twelve starts, point nine is his BP is his walks per nine point nine in Only twelve seven. starts. You yeah. Darvish, and and I mean his ERA is actually kind of high during that stretch because of some home runs, three fifty nine ERA in that twelve start stretch, but a point eight three WHIP. 11.1 Ks per nine, obviously pitch it deep into games. He's I, he's pretty much back to pitching at an ace level. And, and honestly, it's validating for me because uh, my my stance, even through the awful months, was, you know, the underlying, there, there's, some, there's some really interesting stuff going on here beneath the surface. And if he could just get those walks under control, I think he can be great again. And, you know, that it's one of those points where it starts to sound it's one of those takes where it starts to sound stupid to yourself the longer it's not coming through, but I'm, I'm glad it finally did. I'm, I'm not such an idiot after all. No, I mean, and I was definitely buying in on you Darvish and uh, my league mate over at in this league, Scott Bogman is always been just a you Darvish Homer forever. And it's <laughs> tough because you Darvish, he's been one of those guys you've had to stomach through. You've had to mm-hmm. stomach through this and it's a huge payoff. It actually, you Darvish reminds me right now of the pitcher version of Jose Ramirez, like the payoff that you're getting if you were able yeah. to stomach through the process. 
And it's nice to see Bryce Harper as well. Uh, Grand Slam, he's been getting hot. But what about you, Scott? You got any Thursday standouts you want to uh, give to the audience? I just want to mention for Harper because, you know, there there was a a point early this season where it, it was a legitimate question whether or not he was even like a high-end outfielder anymore. And a lot of it had to do with an escalating strikeout rate. Well, the strikeout rate has come down quite a bit over the past couple months. It's still, you know, it, it's still uh, one of the worst of his career, but it, it's certainly, it's certainly passable. I mean, it's like 25%. Um, I think it's like 26% for the season now, which is really not that bad in the 2019 context. So that's encouraging to see. Uh, my my standout for Thursday, um, I'm going to bring up Corey Seager here because he homered for the third straight game. And I I feel like I feel like everybody uh, like I don't know what his start percentage actually is versus his ownership percentage. I'm sure he's widely owned still, but uh, everybody's kind of been keeping him around. Uh, not really knowing what's going to come next, because I feel like the plate discipline's been great all year. He he was getting hot right before going on the aisle with that hamstring injury, um, but he just hasn't hit the ball with the same authority this year that we've seen from him in years past. Obviously, first year back from Tommy John surgery. I'm guessing that has something to do with it. But um, and to your point, 93% owned, but only a 68% start rate. There you go. There you go. I I think I I can definitely envision a scenario where he just takes off over the final six weeks and looks like Corey Seager of old again, and everybody's happy to have held on to him. Another another like you were saying with Jose Ramirez and you Darvish, where um, you know the the weight was justified. One other standout: uh, Ahmed Rosario, mm. five hits, two doubles, three uh, a triple among them, and. Um, he looks like the leadoff hitter with Jeff McNeil out. I don't think Ahmed Rosario is a great offensive player, but there is some speed. There's a little bit of power. Not great on base skills, but when anybody who's batting at the top of the lineup, it, it obviously it, like it, it increases the potential impact of that player. And I feel like uh, Ahmed Rosario might end up being a productive, pretty productive fantasy option while McNeil's out. Yeah, he's always been a speed option. The power was in question. Ultimately, the bat was in question. And the funny thing about him was he was like the perfect testament to the age old, like, how do I balance prospect lists that are not based around fantasy and ones that are based around fantasy? Because Rosario is one of those guys that you would see ranked, you know, like four or five overall, but he was just more yeah. of a defensive player. And it's, uh, you know, we're just looking for the ultimate payoff. And it's starting there. There's speed, and if he's leading off and he can make contact, he's going to be worthwhile. Injury news notes Max Scherzer could return on Sunday. It, I mean, if he gets pushed, also, he could be one of those two starts if they wanted to go that route. Very, very good to get Max Scherzer back. Joey, uh, Joey Votto was scratched with back tightness. It's just brutal to talk about Joey Votto at all in this season. I, you know, I haven't been around the whole season. Obviously, what has been your take on Joey Votto as far as rosterability? Is it still something that is a, uh, yeah, if he's not hitting well, you put him on the bench, or would you just have you been comfortable cutting bait? At this point, I mean, it's mid-August, <laughs> and uh, whatever glimmer of hope we've seen has been short-lived. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to cut bait. 
Maybe permanently. I'm I'm not, you know, after the way last year went, I was giving him a pass. He's Joey Votto. Obviously, he finished the year hot. But following it up with this year, a guy in his mid-30s, I, I think we may have seen the last of him as anything beyond like a deep league option. Mm, yeah, it kind of hurts. Uh, Javier, Javier Baez sat with an illness. It ended up moving David Bodie over to shortstop and Ian Happ was able to get in. Ian Happ, interesting. We'll probably talk about him on here. And how about this one? The New York Yankees expect Giancarlo Stanton to return in September, according to MLB.com, Scott. Sure. I'm <laughs> sure he's going to return. I mean, yeah, probably, he probably will, mm. right? I don't. I mean, I, they want him ready for the playoffs. I think they do, but do you think it's in time? It's going to be with enough time for anybody? I mean, I, I think Stanton to me has been one of the more difficult decisions. Obviously, if you have an IL, you just throw him on there. But there are yeah. people out there that have are going to have problems. They're going to look and they're going to say, "Well, Stanton is in place of you know where I could make some moves, but he's so talented. He can st- he can stack up the stats at such an extreme level." He's one of those guys you don't want to cut, but ultimately, mm-hmm. I question that he comes back. And um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's possible he doesn't come back. It, it, will he come back with enough time to gain your trust? I'm sure people in three outfielder leagues who are, you know, th- those are usually head to head leagues. So you're talking about, um, you know, you have to make every lineup you set count from this point forward. Because one bad week could ruin everything for you. So will will he have enough time to gain people's trust in that format? I mean, they they all probably have pretty good outfielders as it is if they're in contention. And I don't know. I I do think there's a pretty pretty big distinction between three outfielder leagues and five outfielder leagues in terms of how much you hope Stanton can do for you down the stretch. Because a five outfielder league. I imagine there's a lot of people who would plug him in almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, you you extend the need for outfielders out that far. Uh, it, it makes a pretty big difference. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Ray hit the I.O. with back spasms, and we talked about this yesterday, and uh, my call ended up being right. John Duplantier is going to be called up. Looks like he's going to be taking that oh. spot. Got a 4.38 ERA in 25 major league innings this year. And a nine to twenty four walk to strikeout ratio. So Duplantier, is that somebody that um I mean he kind of falls in line with a lot of these other guys we've been talking about earlier in the week, maybe the Dylan Peters, the Cal Quantrills. I mean, is Duplantier a person that you would potentially want to get out there streaming, maybe only matchups? Well, that's interesting. When is he going to make his first start? Because I think Robbie Ray's turn was due up for Yes. Four two starts this upcoming week. You are right about that. I'm going to guess the first one is going to be at home against Colorado. I haven't seen any official announcement outside of Duplantier is going to be the one that's getting called up. So mm. I'm assuming he's going to be slotted into Robbie Ray's spot, which I have on here on CBS August 19th at home against yep. Colorado. That being a Monday. And then the second would be against uh, the against Milwaukee the Brewers. Brewers, which isn't good. Uh, I mean, I'm interested Fresh back, you know, fresh up from the minors where I don't think he had more than a four inning start in a couple months because of the injury he was dealing with. You know, I'm I'm not that hopeful from an impact. I, I like him as a as a talent. I just think it, it becomes another 
matter of how much time will it take for him to earn your trust and like is he going to come up and throw six innings right away I, I doubt it and it's hard for any starting pitcher to make an impact in fantasy if he's not doing that so uh, it's more of a keep an eye on it situation, I think, than a rush out and add him situation. Yeah, I agree with that. Unless you were in deeper leagues or, you know, again, points leagues, things like that, where you might want to do it. He's more of a watcher here. Uh, Dodgers pitcher Justin May's role is not necessarily guaranteed. They're also talking about him potentially going in the bullpen, but Roberts is kind of wishy-washy on where that mm-hmm. stands, which that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I I assume Kenta Maeda is, is headed toward his... Uh, annual August demotion to the bullpen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they needed, I mean, they have Tony Gonsolin hanging out at AAA. He had a good spot start the last time we saw him. But the Dodgers Dustin, at this point should just take all of their pitchers and just go through a opener at this point. Just three innings here, four innings for the other guy, just control them in that fashion. I mean, they could really put out some crazy lineups if you think about it with yeah, Aureus like a, and May and Gonsolin. Like a piggybacking scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like like almost yeah. take four pitchers to create two, you know, eight inning stretched pitchers where May and Orius and then Gonsolin and I don't know, they got a guy in the minors right now, Mitchell White, who's pretty interesting. I mean, they just have a lot of guys out there that they could ring out. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good uh, point. Uh Garrett Cole should be able to pitch next week. That's positive news for everybody. Now, how convenient how convenient was this that Adam just wasn't on the show? That the New York Yankees got absolutely shellacked 19 to 5. The Indians beat up on the Yankees. Here's a few things. We had a double dong from Carlos Santana. Uh, Jose Ramirez, we talked about, also double dong. Perez, Greg Allen, a couple Yankees got in the action. Uh, Chad Green didn't make it out of the first inning. I believe he gave up five. It's obviously just happenstance here, Scott, that Adam wasn't here for this show, right? Yeah, no, that's such an Azer move. Agreed. Agreed. And Jose Ramirez, just for whatever reason, ever since I've been, you know, coming on with you guys, Jose Ramirez has just been on an absolute tear. And I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but he's just, he's the gift that's keep going to keep on giving for fantasy owners that have been able to pull through. And it interestingly makes that question we had earlier in the week of Jose Altuve versus Ramirez. Just as we go, it's becoming more fun. It is. Yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez has been the strangest player to analyze. Possibly in the entire time I've been doing this. Really? Which is over a decade. I don't know. That's probably an overstatement. Um, But it's weird to think about a decade of fantasy analysis, too, because it's so much more sophisticated now than it was in those early years. may not even recognize how weird certain performances were in those early years. But That's yeah, it's, it's been, re- it's been really weird for Jose Ramirez. Yeah, for he, sure. has, he has, but he's been on a nice little tear. Um, obviously we'll be looking at most added, most viewed guys. There's a couple that are interesting here. Steven Matz was uh, near the top of the list. 69% owned on Wednesday. He went six, struck out five, got a four, three, three ERA, seven and seven record. And uh, two or fewer earned runs in four of his last five starts. I mean, is there easy comp- easy competition? Those four good starts were San Francisco, a complete game against Pittsburgh, Miami, and then Atlanta. I mean, a lot of people are out there viewing Steven Matz right now, Scott. And he is a two-star pitcher, and he would probably be 
Uh, you know, he's right there around Eliezer Hernandez and how willing I am to give him a chance. Probably just a points league scenario. There's a 60% difference in ownership there. Matt's is 68% owned. The thing about Matt's is um, there are a lot of ups and downs. In the end, the numbers tend to look pretty good, but in a way that I don't really buy into that much it's kind of like a julio tehran situation where i'm not sure the skill level really backs up the numbers and yet the numbers tend to be decent and that's happening again this year yeah i mean i i I wouldn't want him other than like a a spot start you know stream the two-star pitcher situation but he's you know he, he seems like an okay choice He's, he's right a now. monitor. Uh, the number one guy that I saw viewed when I was taking a look earlier was um, Josh Rojas, who we've been talking yep. about with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He started three of the four games since being called up. He did sit, sit versus a lefty. Six games next week. He's got a home against Colorado and Milwaukee. And, and as it's scheduled right now, probably only one lefty in there, if that's what the Diamondbacks are doing, if they're sitting him versus lefties. He also is uh, in the lineup on Thursday, doesn't have a hit where he's been pretty solid there, but he was hitting two in between Dyson and Escobar, which is pretty fun. I feel like Rojas is, con- I, I mean, how the Diamondbacks are using him in the short term, I don't think it's all about um, David Peralta in the injury. I think it's really to get like a really big, solid look at him. And, but he is in right field tonight. Rojas continuously is a player that I'm comfortable trying to plug in down the stretch where needed, of course. Do you agree, yeah. Scott? Yeah, it's it's pretty... Like, I think the fact that they're batting him second shows how excited they are about him, how they seem to feel like there's a lot of legitimacy to what he was doing at AAA. And my favorite stat right now, he's up to uh, 12 plate appearances. And... Know how many strikeouts he has? Ooh, I'm gonna do the Doctor Strange thing. Hold up, just one finger. Uno, ma. That's all Uno. it is. That's it. One. Only one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he walked more than he struck out in the minors this year between Double A and both stints of Triple A with the Astros and the Diamondbacks. So, I mean, he's already proved himself to be a very patient hitter. Doesn't strike out a lot, and he was a counting stat monster. I mean. I don't know and have a hard time believing what he's been doing at AAA is going to translate at the major league level, but he right. sure does have all the little checkpoints you're looking for for those type of breakout players. And um, I've heard Jeff McNeil is a comp of like production that you might see, but maybe even a maybe even a better hitter, Scott. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, if if the if the what he was doing at AAA translates, I mean, he's you know top five bat in fantasy, so. It, it doesn't need to. It just needs to be like, uh, you know, 60% of that. And he's a pretty valuable option. That's right. That was the number I was thinking of as well. All right. Uh, let's hit a break real quick. We come back. We've got in-game, uh, some in-progress games we want to take a look at. There's a whole bunch of ad information that we got to hit to. More pitchers, hitters. Plus, there are some emails out there. So taking a little break right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. 
All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. All right. Let's take a look, Scott, at a few, just real quick before we get into all these. we got some in-games going on as we're recording this. What is it, like 11.30 Eastern as we're uh, going? We've got the Diamondbacks and Giants going, Astros and A's and Angels and White Sox. It looks like there's a half-decent matchup going on with um, the Angels and White Sox. Andrew Andrew Haney, I think, was um, going no-hit for the first three innings. At this moment, five innings, five strikeouts, two earned runs where um, Ronaldo Lopez has struck out five and five and one third with two earned runs. Both of those guys look like the, kind of those, you know, solid fringy options and they're playing pretty well against each other. I like Andrew Heaney a lot. I feel like we haven't seen the best from him yet. Last year he came pretty close. Um, and, and, you know, obviously he's done with dealt with a ton of injuries in his career. This year he was doing, he's been doing a lot of the right things when he's been healthy in terms of missing bats, uh, even tonight, 14 swinging strikes on only 68 pitches. I mean, that's an incredible rate. Um, but he's gotten burned by the long ball so much. Beyond a point that I think is reasonable to, you know, he's a fly ball pitcher. I get it. It's a homer-friendly environment. But, it, you know, he's it, it's been kind of ridiculous how many home runs he's given up, um, especially early on when he was healthy, when he was at his healthiest so, yeah, I mean, three and two-thirds innings in his first start back from the I.L. last time out. He's already up to five now. Uh, I mean, it. I, considering he's at 68 pitches, I, it'll be interesting to see how deep he ends up going. If it's like, you know, if he goes six, seven innings, probably he probably becomes an interesting two-start pitcher for next week um, if you can trust him to go deep into games again. He's only 51% on at Texas, at Houston. That's not great, but... Skills-wise, I think he's better than any of the other pitchers we've been talking about as potential two-star choices. And it looks like uh, you got Fires and Aaron Sanchez going up against each other, and it looks like this might need to update because it's showing me that Fires has given up four earned runs, but the board hasn't updated. Uh, I think that's... Oh, there you go. Something just happened. Someone just hit a... Oh, Michael Brantley just hit a homer. So vintage Astros. Yeah. Is Fires getting... Pounded finally. He's five and one third, four earned runs, one walk, oh, only two no strikeouts. No quality start today, Mikey. <laughs> bye bye. And uh, Aaron Sanchez, uh, four earned as well, three strikeouts. So no quality starts. A lot of homers though. Matt Olson, uh, Al- uh, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa. Just a little uh, in-game uh, progress. Look, are you a Judd Apatow fan? Um. I'm neutral on Judd Ap- Apatow. Well, this is. 40, but it's Cody Bellinger's. This is 40. Uh, That was my setup there. I wasn't sure if we would get there, but Cody Bellinger hit his 40th 
home run, four RBIs, and five stolen bases away from setting career highs in all of the standard 5 by 5 categories, and it's mid-August. I mean, I don't need to be the one to tell you the year Bellinger's been having, but he was the first one to hit 40, and uh, he's, like I said, four. I mean, he's one good game away from getting that RBI total. Stolen bases, he got a little bit to go, but Cody Bellinger, an absolute beast, and Pete Alonso hit his 39th homer post-All-Star break, entering Thursday, though he was 181 with 40 strikeouts and 19 walks. He had a couple doubles in there, and he had eight homers. So Pete Alonso and Cody Bellinger, a combined 79 homers uh, between the <laughs> two, Scott. Looks like Trout's the second to 40 here in the late Oh, games. you're right. You know what? You're right. Trout hit it right after he uh, he yeah. joined the club. What a group. What a group. I, I think Cody Bellinger, by the way, is not the de facto number four people have to look in fantasy next year, especially because league formats will dictate stuff where Scherzer is. But like... The top three is some combination of Yelich, Acuna, and Trout for the most part. Again, I want to point out, like in points league, Scherzer might be in there. Do you at least say that Bellinger is in that top five? Well, no, that's I, I've been saying for weeks that it's going to be Trout, Yelich, Bellinger. So I was putting him ahead of Acuna. Over Acuna. Uh, obviously, Acuna's closed the gap during that time. And maybe I should be giving him more... Um, you know, more consideration considering he's looking like the most reliable steel source of that group now that he, he looks like a fixture in the leadoff spot now, Brian Snitker. Um, I'm not going to use the exact word he used, but he called himself an idiot for, uh, for not batting Acuna leadoff. I think he's a little hard on himself. That's a little I think weird. There are yeah. some valid arguments to make for not batting Acuna leadoff. But the point is, it sounds like he's not going to mess with that anymore. And just based on the tendencies Acuna shown, uh, he runs a lot more from the leadoff spot. So it, that does look like a, a contribution we can count on from him going forward. And yeah, that's going to be that's going to be something to consider. What's interesting for Bellinger is his batting averages. You, the month by month breakdown of his batting average, it doesn't look so good for him lately. And yet the strikeout rate is still way down. I'm not sure. I'm totally buying that. Um, I, I think Bellinger could have just such a crazy September that, uh, that he puts that debate to rest and is pretty clearly the number three option next year, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think the most interesting thing will be how there might not be a consensus at the top for most people like there have been for so many, many years. We kind of talked about this, but Oh brother, that was the title. Corey Seager, he had homered in three straight games as we talked about and Kyle Seager got in the action and uh, two for five with a double, three RBIs, a run, and a K at Detroit. We've had a lot of good brother action is uh, been the big key. He had three homer game on Tuesday and a nine-game hitting streak. Kyle Tucker is, I think, somebody. Yeah, I've got him in this hitter list here. So let's talk about the most added players, and we can talk about him there. The two most added hitters that I saw, Scott, were, probably no surprise, Aristides Aquino, who is up to 88% up from 15% owned, just everybody going massive on him. And Aristides Aquino is more owned than Mike Talkman, who is 72%, who is up from 36. So, I mean, that is yeah. a massive line from Aquino. It, it, it's been fun, this, um, this kind of, this group of hitters that have suddenly emerged as very attractive options in fantasy all at the same time. It's not just those two but jd davis his ownership's gone up 34 percent 
in the past week. Gio Urshela, of course, 31%. It's amazing to think it was that short, that that recently that he was only 55% owned. And I think it's great to see that a Kuhn, like Aquino can go from 15 to 88 uh, in mid-August. Like, I, I wasn't even sure that many people were caring about fantasy baseball anymore to, for his ownership percentage to rise that much. See, this is one of those where, like, if I was a little bit more concerned with Giancarlo Stanton, like, you know, if let's say I had no IL spots and uh, I had needed the roster spot, dropping a guy like Stanton for, a, uh, um, for Aquino would be, I think that would be tough, but I don't long-term believe in Aquino. So that's the big thing. He, he was yeah. hit list tonight. He had a walk. I think it cools down. I love seeing it. I mean, I probably believe actually in Mike Talkman more than I do Aquino. And if I had to choose between the two, that's the guy I'd, I'd want to be out there starting outside of this nice little hot streak that's going on. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure who of those two I believe in more. I think they're I think Talkman has a more well rounded skill set while Acuna's Aquino, I keep calling him Acuna. Like, it, it Aquino. Looks like it. Yeah, I mean his name is real uh, Aristides Aquino. Like we get it, man. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Aquino is pretty much just all power. And uh, that's that's a diff- difficult profile to really have play up in this environment uh, just because home runs are so easy to come by. But the guy who I think is people may still be sleeping on of this group is J.D. Davis. Like he, His production, I think, is the most... Uh, maybe even compared to like Urshela, who I think is great. I think I Davis think, is the most sustainable. I feel like I think you're right. That's our better ads section. J- JD Davis up to sixty percent, and he's up from twenty six percent. And I believe he's on a nine game hitting streak where he's hitting four forty eight in that period, which is just unbelievable. Willie Calhoun, by the way, just adding a couple more better ads, and if we can get some more takes from you on JD Davis. Willie Calhoun, 58% up from 51, and Ryan McMahon, 50, uh, 62% up from 59. I put the three of these guys together because their percentages relatively around the same. J.D. Davis was obviously much more picked up than the three, but Willie Calhoun did hit a homer, his 11, I believe his 11th, on uh, Thursday night. Is this J.D. Davis as a big runaway if you were deciding between Calhoun, McMahon, and J.D.? Yes, yes. J.D. is a big runaway. Uh, I mean, the season numbers look great. And then when you consider his expected batting averages in his XBA, the actual stat, and uh, his expected WOBA are both higher than what they actually are. I mean, good grief. This guy looks like a natural hitter. Calhoun is Calhoun's interesting, though. I mean, I'm, I, I think he's been undervalued for a while now, too. Getting every day at bats, more than Hunter Pence, more than Shinsu Chu. And the Rangers play eight games this upcoming week. They're they're my team with the number one number one in the hitting matchups, the Rangers. So Calhoun, at least for week twenty two, is what we're going into. Um, definitely somebody to consider putting in your lineup. Yeah, and Willie Calhoun went uh, two for four uh, on Thursday night. He's had hits in three of his last four games, and I believe this is his second homer in the last four games. So Willie Calhoun has been. Pretty fun. Do you think if I were to say, is this an accurate statement? I guess JD Davis underowned, Aristides Aquino overowned. You think they yeah. should be flipped in percentages? Like 60 should be Aquino and JD should be up in the 88s? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of how much I believe in them, I believe in J.D. Davis more than Aquino. Um, you know, if you're talking, should Aquino be 88% owned? I, I think I think that's yes. I mean, whenever somebody makes this kind of impact, like you have to take a flyer on it just to see what happens next. Uh, you know, but I've maybe been not wrong, at the expense. I've been of wrong JD. enough in my life to know to do that. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of how much I believe in them, JD Davis should be. Yeah, JD Davis should be higher. All right, uh, here's some deeper league hitters, deeper-ish, about thirty-five percent or less owned. Luis Arias, not Yorius. Remember, we're getting that right. Twenty-four percent up from seventeen. Ian Happ is at thirty-three percent. He's up from only fourteen percent the previous week. Kyle Seeger, thirty-one percent up from twenty-six. Uh, percent and Jason Kipnis up to 35%. You have a look on your face like Ian Happ's percentage is much higher than what I just said. Okay, I was making sure I had the right guy again when you talked about Arias. We're talking about Arias, Luis yeah, Arias, Arias from who Minnesota. plays for the Twins. Yeah. <laughs> he does not play for the Padres. No. <laughs> and and I love looking at their names too cuz it's just so ridiculously different, but as soon as our mouths open it just sounds like the same player. So Arias, yeah. Hap, Seeger, Kipnis, all between 24 and 35% owned in deeper leagues. Who's the guy that you take the flyer on out of these four? Kipnis. It's easy. Oh, yeah, Joe Kipnis, right? Joe Kipnis. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jason Kipnis, who has been a different player since, uh, how far back is it going now? I think June, right? That sounds about back right. To yeah, mid June. So like that that's like eh, it's not quite half the season today. But anyway, yeah. Forty eight games now entering tonight. So the numbers are even better now with another home run. Three oh seven batting average, nine home runs, eight ninety eight OPS. I mean, that's if that's his season line, no everybody has him in their starting lineup. Um and you know, a three twenty two Babbitt during that stretch, so it's not like he's having this crazy good luck or anything. I think he's fixed. I think he's fixed. You know, it wasn't too long ago we considered him a stud. And uh, what about Arias? Arias hit his third homer. He's not known as he really reminds me. Anybody out there that's listening, I know there's a bunch of you guys that are still prospect people. If you look at a guy like Luis Garcia with the Washington Nationals, who's like you know supposed high hit tool, but he just doesn't loft the ball at all. He gets the ball on the ground a whole lot. This is who like Luis Arias was. He's just a big singles contact hitter, not a lot of power, but he did hit his third homer. I mean, yeah. over Happ and Seager, would you take the flyer on Arias over those two? Or does the percentages mirror probably where people should be, where Arias should be behind Happ and Seager? Uh, I might take a flyer on Happ over him because I feel like the impact with his power potential is greater. But like Arise is a safer bet to be a contributor on some level. Part of the problem with Arise is he's not he's not quite playing every day. He's starting like three out of four with Jonathan Scope still factoring in there. Um but I I, I like a guy that makes a lot of contact. Particularly because I feel like power is such an easy skill to cultivate at the major league level right now. Like you're you're so far ahead of the game if you're able to make contact at a high rate. And I'm not saying I think Arias, yeah, there's a great chance he becomes a 20-homer guy, but Tommy Lastella did this year, you know? <laughs> like, it, 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 it could happen. 
good things happen when you make good contact. That's, I think, yeah. the big key there. And Luis uh, Arias is one of those players. How about some deeper league pitchers? Uh, ish, deeper-ish league pitchers. It's not quite the uh, Azer qualification here, but three guys uh, when we were looking at the ads. Dylan Peters is up to 29% owned, up from four. He was only 4% last week. Joe Ross, 33, up from nine. And Cal Quantrill, 45, up from 26. How would you rank these three as far as uh, your interest? It's pretty low for all three. I might go... Peters, Quantrill, and Ross. Okay, but you're not really interested. These aren't guys that you're taking the Flyers on. No. Uh, Peters and Ross are both two-star pitchers for this upcoming week, but I have them under. I have them ranked under the header, no thanks. Mm-hmm. So even with the two-star week, I mean, they just, they just have so much to prove. And even though they pitched well recently, not in a way that leads me to believe uh, there, are, there are some new skills they're tapping into. Okay. Bullpen. Mark Melanson, 43% up from four. I believe he was in the top five of most added. Uh, Emilio Pagan, 59 up from 42. And Archie Bradley, 49 up from 39. Pagan kind of solidified himself the other day where Alvarado struggled. Archie Bradley struggled with a blown save. And Atlanta is Atlanta. So you're obviously fishing for saves here. Rank your... um, your bait here. How do you fish if you're fishing for saves for on these three? Who goes on the hook first? Gone. And I, I don't think it's still I, I don't think it's totally decided whether or not he's just the closer now for Tampa Bay. But I mean he looks like the sort of overpowering reliever who could just, you know, be be great in that role. Looks be, like Alvarado. Like what Alvarado was supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like 12K per nine and whip below one. All, all of it looks great. Uh, and then I probably go Melanson over Bradley. I, I don't I don't know how confident I am in either to really hold down the job. Uh, but I, Atlanta, I think, is a better situation to be, you know, in a better situation to pick up a high number of saves than Arizona is. So I would go Melanson over Bradley. Yeah, and I agree with that one too. I think that's that's astute there because you know Lavello has not been locked to Archie Bradley as a closer. They just like to keep him back in those roles. Uh, Yon Yon Lo, Lopez to me is still a future closer for the Diamondbacks. He's got the swagger, the attitude, been around the you know in the backfields and the clubhouse that type of stuff. Hirano is not someone they want to put in that role. I I think Archie is not locked for this for the rest of the year. Where ironically, Melanson may be one of those guys. Now, I added this one. This was a me one because I wanted to talk of little prospects here. And if you've got any <laughs> others, please throw them in here. But I went and I dug through on the ad sheet and I went and looked at prospects who had not been up at the major league level who people were trying to add, the pr- uh, preliminary ads here. And the three guys that showed up were no surprise, especially, I think it's. 100% Scott White influenced here, especially with the third guy. Jesus Lazardo up to 53% own. Gavin Lux, 37% own. That doesn't need, I mean, anybody is going to be in on those guys, but Ty France, 4%. Those were the big percentage ads this week here. Where are you at on these guys? And do you have any other pre uh, preliminary prospects you might want to pick up coming into week 22, just in case? So I write a prospects report weekly on CBSSports.com. I just wrote 
it last night for this week. And basically the way it breaks down is I have five on the verge and I have five on the periphery. Five on the verge are the five who I think are most worth stashing in redraft leagues. Uh, not strictly just because of how close they are, but also you know, what kind of impact I think they could make. Um, and then the periphery are just guys who I want to talk about for whatever reason. So, uh, Luzardo and Gavin Lux for, are, are both in the five on the verge. They're both in the sure. five you need to stash. Um, and I know there've been some Dodgers beat writers who've kind of been pouring cold water on the idea that Lux could get called up. Uh, and you know, there, there was a report that he might, he might be with the team in September, September, but just kind of like to go along for the ride, not actually to be on the active roster and play. But and that's and that's the part of the report that got aggregated everywhere. But if you read the full full report, they're not ruling out him being on the active roster too. Like I, I still think it's a perfectly reasonable scenario that he could come up in September and become the primary second baseman. Muncie playing a lot of first, Bellinger playing a lot of outfield, uh, especially with Alex Verdugo dealing with an oblique injury. Like, it's not like they would have to bench Jock Peterson in that scenario, you know? So, yeah, I'm still very much on board with the idea of stashing Gavin Lux, who, of course, is hitting like 430 with a 1300 OPS at AAA. Just completely, completely absurd. Yeah. Uh, I, Luz- I, yeah, go ahead. Luzardo, I think he's going to have a rotation spot for the A's in September. Uh, he's made enough progress in his recovery from his latest injury, a lat strain. Struck. Uh, he's actually made this, making his first AAA rehab start today. I'm not sure how that went or if it's still ongoing. But his previous rehab start, seven strikeouts and three hitless innings. I mean, he looks he looks like he's well on his way to making it back. So everybody needs pitching. I think you got to stash him. France, France is one who's not in my five to stash, but he would probably be like number six or seven. So people um, need to go read the article. They need to be they're they're off. They need to go and look at your article and they need to get on it. Get those right ads. I'd also throw yeah. AJ Puck in there, by the way, as well. AJ Puck is also in um in Vegas, I believe it is, triple A. And the thought process kind of mirrors Jesus Lazardo that AJ Puck is going to give in, given an opportunity. Though if I had to choose, Puck might be put more in a relief role. Just monitor AJ Puck. You don't need yeah. to go roll on him. Yeah, that's what I've seen that it would probably come back in a relief role but yeah. you know he was he was the A's pitcher everybody was excited about last spring and then needed Tommy John surgery so yeah he's definitely a name to keep in mind if not for this year then for you know future years exactly all right let's hit a break when we come back we've got more we'll try to see if we can get to some emails we got a whole bunch more so don't go anywhere more fantasy baseball today right next The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So a little in-game look here, Scott. It's not getting better for fires because it is uh, we're top of the seventh, Astros 5 A's six, so fires are still they're still giving up runs over there. Heaney does look like he has got a little bit more of a cushion, and he's in line. Heaney is five and one third currently, six strikeouts, two earned. Uh, it is the bottom of the six. No, actually, you know what? Quality start. Now that it updated for me, quality start for Andrew Heaney with those six strikeouts, and it looks like he's in line for the win as they're up five to two if they can hold. So Andrew Heaney continues. That's good yeah. news. Maybe need to pick him up for a two start week. Someone to look at. Uh, the rotation, we already talked about you, Darvish. Walker Bueller had a less than uh, beautiful start. Four innings, five hits, five earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts at Miami. Was rolling 10 and three record, three and uh, 3 3 1 ERA, 26 walks to 166 strikeouts and 141 and one third. But hit up a little bit in Miami, Scott. Yeah, surprising time for that to happen. I. I get really tired of talking about these great pitchers having bad starts because it's just like, what are you going to do about it? You know? Sure. They're they're probably going to be fine. Yeah. You can't really play matchups with these guys. Well, here's a fine pitcher who had a great outing. Sonny Gray. He went five, gave up one hit, walked three, but struck out 10 against St. Louis. He's got an eight and six record, and he went under three on his ERA. He's got a two point nine eight ERA, fifty walks, one hundred and fifty four strikeouts, and one hundred and thirty two innings. In his last three starts, eighteen innings pitched, seven hits, zero runs, eleven walks, and twenty four strikeouts against the Cubs, the Nationals, and the Cardinals. And guess what? He's got the Padres next week. Mm. Love it, right? Uh, yeah, Sonny Gray. I mean, like I, I tweeted this out. I don't know, a couple weeks ago, like what must the experience of owning Sonny Gray in a dynasty league be like? (laughs) Has anybody in a dynasty league stuck with him through all the ups and downs? Because like there's been nobody over the last five years who goes from looking like a Cy Young contender to like totally droppable as many times as Sonny Gray has. That's really funny, too, because I know he's kind of befriended, uh, you know, Eno Saris, if people follow him, because Sonny's kind of locked, latched on to a lot of like other analytical stuff. Maybe, you know, a portion of it, you ever want to get good stuff there. But I totally agree with you. Like, Sonny Gray is one of those dynasty guys where you're like, yeah, I owned Sonny Gray four years ago. Too bad he's doing good now. Like, no one actually even owns Sonny Gray anymore in Keeper <laughs> Dynasty. He's a myth. Um, Caleb Smith who is 93% owned, but only 48% starting, uh, went five, struck out four, gave up one earned run against the Dodgers, went 106 pitches, currently up to 131 strikeouts in 111 innings. His previous two starts, he went five, struck out four against Tampa, and went four and two-thirds, but gave up six against Atlanta, and he's got Atlanta again next week. So uh, monitor the Caleb Smith. And Marcus Stroman, five and one-third, gave up three runs, but two earned, walked four, five strikeouts and had two homers allowed against Atlanta. Currently he's got a seven and 11 record, a three, three ERA and Marcus Stroman. That's another one of those that I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around. 
Yeah, I thought I thought we'd get more immediate returns from him joining up with the Mets. Um, his win-loss record was so bad with the Blue Jays. Obviously not at all his fault, and it really held back his fantasy value, but it's been three shaky starts in a row with the Mets. So Did you see not... Callaway's comments, too, by the way, today? Just I an... didn't, no. Uh, just another thing where... He, they were talking about analytics and you know what role, and he said, ah, we probably do stuff about 85% against what analytics do. That's just what we do. It was just another one of those complete and utter anti-analytical <laughs> arguments where it, sometimes you want to be like, all right, so I know you say this is your way, but do you also see that your way hasn't been working? So why are you digging your heels in? Uh, it's It's weird because he got such a good reputation, I, I think deservedly, with the Indians as their, as their pitching coach. And, you know, some of the changes he made seemed analytically driven. Like the, the biggest one I point to is he got Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer throwing their breaking balls a lot more. And both saw a surge in production. I think that was, did Corey Kluber end up winning the Cy Young that year? Or he was at least, I want to say that he did. That sounds right. Was it, has he won two Cy Young awards? That sounds. Uh, that sounds right. Let's see. We're gonna. I don't know. We'll see who he gets has. there first. Yeah. yeah. So the second Cy Young award that was that season, where it took him back from being just another ace to you know, the, one of the preeminent aces, and that was also the second half when Trevor Bauer's production shot up. So like I, I mean, he, he did some great things as the Indians pitching coach in a way that seemed a lot smarter than he tends to sound when he talks. So I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't sound too smart when he talks. Yeah, he does uh, Julio Tehran got lit up one and one third, eight hits, six earned runs, three walks, and two strikeouts against those Mets, by the way. Seven and eight record, three, seven, one ERA. He's got Miami next week, four starts versus Miami. He's got a 2 0 record, 0.36 ERA, and 22 strikeouts to six walks in 25 innings. So, regardless of this, light up. I mean, maybe some people are going to cut bait on Julio Tehran. Relatively favorable matchup next week with Miami. You're, are you still comfortable with Tehran? Like, these little blow-ups aren't going to uh, move you away from a uh, good matchup like that? Oh, I don't know that I would ever describe myself as comfortable <laughs> with Tehran. I mean, it's got an XFIP over five. Um, but I like, I am willing to uh you know, see the glass half full with him because he has so consistently outperformed his ex-fip in his career. And, you know, a lot of things contributing to that ex-fip are um, a bloated walk rate, which seems like it's gotten better more recently. And um, the fact he hasn't given up many home runs despite being a fly ball pitcher, I think has contributed to that, which, you know, maybe he's just good at preventing home runs. Like, I don't know. I... I think he's. I, I wouldn't like if I had him in my roster. I, I I wouldn't be dropping him based on this start. Like any pitcher is susceptible to a bad start, um, and he only gave up one home run, so it's not like that was the issue. But yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm comfortable with Duran. Okay, um, let's kick back to the two starts. Let's uh, just take a little look. I'm gonna throw some out to you. See what your take is. If you like both the starts as two start guys, not just in the deep deep ones, and then I. See if you've got a couple other, if there were any others that uh, shine out to you. A couple interesting ones. How about Cole Hamels? Cole Hamels, you know, he had that blow up the other day. He's got two starts, one at home against 
the San Francisco Giants and also at home against the Nationals where he's lined up against Steven Strasburg. I mean, obviously his owner percentage is very high, 96, but start rate has only been 64. What do you think about Cole Hamels in both of those starts next week? I, I do it. I try not to overthink these things because that's when you end up, um, you know, that's that's when you end up with the most regret, or at least I do. And it it's a situation where, like, if 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 it goes well for Cole Hamels, like, He's he's of a caliber where he could just carry your pitching staff that week, and you don't want to risk missing out on that. Okay, what about a guy like Brendan McKay then? Brendan McKay has got the Mariners, and then he's at Baltimore. I think very favorable matchups for the most mm-hmm. part. 83% owned right now, but he's been a little wishy-washy. Are you going to string him out for both those starts next week? Yeah. Uh, I, I, and to, to be clear, I'm I'm thinking more of a weekly lineup situation where sure. you're you're wanting to maximize two start options. I mean, there's a good chance neither of them is a quality start because both of the matchups are so favorable. I expect the ratios to be good and hopefully he can sneak a win out in one of them, you know? Um so yeah, I'd start him. Chris Archer, 78% owned. He's got the Nationals and the Indians. They are now they are both home games. Those are not great. Your boy Chris Archer, what do you think? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say he's must-start, but I'd probably start him. Certainly in a points league, I'd start him. Would you, you not know, you... start the Nationals one and maybe start the Indians one if you had to pick between the starts? Or is that just not even an option? Just let him go out. And Reds. I'm sorry, I said matches. I said Indians. Yeah, Reds, I'm sorry. Yeah, you probably saw Trevor Bauer's name. I, there, yeah, I was opponent. 100% looking at yeah. Trevor Bauer's name, and that's why I said it. <laughs> I would... When we were talking about you, Darvish, earlier, I opened up the Rangers box score. I do that all the time for you, Darvish. I still have that, too, because my very first time I ever saw him was out here in Arizona at spring training. It was a Rangers game, and I was just like mouth open, you know, just in awe of him. And I always think of him as a Ranger as well. So, yeah. All right. But good with Archer. Any others? What about yeah. any others jump out to you on this list that of note? Hey, maybe, you know, even though the owner percentage ownership percentage is solid, Kyle Gibson, you know, is that one 90%? He's up against the White Sox and the Tigers. That actually seems relatively yeah. solid. Right. The matchups are so good. I think he's, I think he's an automatic start, even though he's been kind of up and down. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, pretty much the highly owned guys deserve to be started, I think. And we've uh, talked a lot about the lower guys, too. Haney, um, Eliezer, you know, a couple of those guys on the lower end that people might want to stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a great week for two-star pitchers. Like, half of the list for me is just, I, I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> but... You know, on the high end, I, I don't think there's any. I, I don't think there's any real dilemmas at the top. Any massive concerns? Uh, a yeah. couple emails. You guys can send in those emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. From Chris from Salt River Fields. I look at this one and I'm like, is that me? Like this sounds like I'm sending the email. I am Chris and I go to Salt River Fields. Uh, but hmm. Chris says the Welsh will like this one. Scott, not so much. Louis, and this is, has to do with I brought up and I think of the very first show about players just owning teams. Oh, yeah. So this is another one of those. And I love that you guys have followed the trend all week. Luis Gonzalez owned Greg Maddox and 123 at-bats. Gonzo batted 325, slug 618 with a 998 OPS. Gonzo hit more home runs, 10, 
than any other player versus Maddox. And Gonzo's career took off after he opened up his stance a la The Punisher. P.S. I like that. P.S. The Welsh is doing a good job on CBS. Longtime listener of both ITL and CBS. Thank you very much, Chris. I like that he threw in the open stance adjustment as well, just like Aquino. So uh, does that one does that one hit you home a little bit because of Maddox? Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Maddox Maddox had that. You know, there were a few players who hit Maddox pretty well. Um, he used to have a term for guys he couldn't get out. He called them hackers because they usually were impatient hitters. I mean, Tony Gwynn hit 415 off of him. And Tony Gwynn, great hitter he was. He wasn't known for being patient. Um, yeah, I could probably find a few more here, but, uh, Gonzo might be the, the biggest of all. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good one. All right. Uh, we'll burn through a couple more here. Brian from Madison says, uh, Jordan Alvarez. I almost said Jordan. I almost did it. I haven't talked about him in a couple of days, but Jordan Alvarez or Bryce Harper categories, OPS league, Scott. Alvarez. I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, having too many doubts about Alvarez these days. Probably going to regress some, but I mean, he looks he looks like just a total stud. Okay, I'm going to stick with Harper. Um, I've always been a little bit off on Jordan Alvarez, and he's just going crazy, but I'm still a believer. Zach from Houston. Dear Nick, Schmidt, Winston, and Jess, welcome, Chris, to the podcast. Can't wait to hear your insight and unique personality going forward. <laughs> as soon as I get this all down, that's probably when it'll come out, right? Um a lot of good stuff here. Do you have any concerns about Josh Hader? He has recently been giving up a lot of home runs, and the Brewers have given other guys save opportunities in his uh, in his stead from time to time. And by the way, greeting answer characters from New Girl since Chris is new to the yeah. podcast. Okay, I would have had no idea. Never seen. Oh, that. you know, you didn't you didn't watch New Girl? No, never saw New Girl, so I would have never ever. It's had good. That. Okay. It's good. I recommend it. I'm in. I'm in better than Euphoria, according to uh, Adam Azer. So Hader, we I think we've been concerned with Hader. We've been talking about that this week. Yeah. Not, has Zach not been tuning in? I mean, we had a long conversation about Matt Alpers yesterday. Yeah, go back and listen. You, you, you're um, good. We're concerned. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's so much the performance is just where the what the Brewers want Hater doing. And they've never really... I was kind of surprised how often they turned to him for saves at the start of the year because it went against the way Craig Council has always talked about using him. And they seem to have fallen away from that. I think in terms of all the home runs allowed, that's just a location thing, and he'll eventually get that sorted out. But I am worried about his him as a potential safe source going forward. Okay. From Greg, Adam, Chris, Scott, grade the trade head-to-head points league. Give Aaron Judge, Will Smith, and Miguel Sano. He says he has Gary Sanchez at catcher. Get Arenado, Voigt, and Kluber. He says, I should make the playoffs, which start in three weeks. So... so Will Smith, the catcher, he's giving up. Will Smith. So it's essentially, yeah. it, you if you wanted to cross-cancel Judge and Arenado, Voight and Smith, I mean, Kluber's the big second get he's getting here. And it's yeah, a and I, I, I have, I prefer Arenado, I think. I, I want to just cancel him out, comparing him and Judge. I think that might be a first-rounder versus a third-rounder there in my mind. Um. So, yeah, I definitely prefer what he's getting, Arenado Voigt, especially Kluber. I mean, any chance you can get an ace-caliber pitcher without giving one up, assuming Kluber's going to be healthy here. So I will give it a... Uh, I'll give it a strong grade. I'll give it an A-. minus. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with the same grade. And even if, just for argument's sake, you canceled out Arenado and Judge, 
Kluber, you're going to do Kluber. You will take Kluber for Will Smith and Miguel Sano every day, all day, and you don't even need Voight. So that's a yeah. A to A, A, A to A minus for me. Uh, two more real quick from Chris. Everyone's named Chris today. With Corey Kluber eyeing a return soon and his rehab start going so well, what do you think we can expect of him the rest of the way? I'm debating whether to put in some trade offers for him, and I'm wondering what you think it would make sense to offer and who some comparable pitchers might be the rest of the way for comparison purposes. So many comparisons, Scott. What do you think? What would you do with Kluber here as far as uh, trading, if you're putting some offers out to trade for him? Well, it'd be easier to get fully behind the idea of Kluber as an ace if if his April had gone better, but I don't really put much stock into that either. I mean, he's he's old and there were some skills. There were some underlying signs of some skills regression last year, so I think it's possible. He's just not at so good and he, he's just not great anymore. He's not an ace anymore. Um, but I, I don't think that's the most reasonable conclusion to draw from his April. So I, I think he's probably going to be a must-start option down the stretch. Uh, the kind of injury he's coming back from a broken forearm, you know, it's not like it's, it's not like something, you know, something to his elbow, something to his shoulder. I think the way his rehab assignment's gone, you know, you, you don't really worry about the injury impacting who he is. So, uh, I forget what the specific question is. I mean, but I it, think it was kind of all over the board. Like, wh- how do you feel? But then also, I mean, it's getting a little bit more in depth. Like, what are some offer? Who are some comparable pitchers? I mean, you probably don't want to pay 100%. If you could pay 90 cents on the dollar of yeah. that type of a player, that's probably where you want to go, right? Well, let me see where I moved him in my rest of season rankings, if I can pull that up quickly enough, because I just updated that on Tuesday, and everything is freezing up on me. It's not loading fast enough. But I'm going to get there very soon. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Would you offer uh, Flaherty for Kluber? I'd rather have Flaherty. So I have Flaherty 25th. I have Kluber 31st. And I could probably be talked into moving Kluber up to as high as like 27, 26. So right there behind Flaherty. I think you, that's, that's probably the a, a good range you picked there. Um, so yeah, I have Sonny Gray 26th, Flaherty 25th, Zach Wheeler 24th. That is... You know, if you wanted to take a more optimistic stance with Kluber, that's about where I'd put him in my rank. Okay, so maybe the high is Wheeler. If you really wanted to, you know, be comfortable with Kluber and you really are in and all in, like maybe the high is you sell on Wheeler, even though you have him a little bit higher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Last one was just a screenshot of Peeps cereal. And Azer said, you need to talk about this. So I don't know what this means outside of, I did hear this means two things in my world and they both have to do with the Scots in my world. One is, um, my buddy, Scott Bogman having to eat peeps until he got sick. Cause he lost a bet. And the two is, I heard that you dip peeps in, is it coffee? Tea. Tea. I, I just had some of that before the, the show, as I'm showing you now, would you yeah. have peeps cereal? I would. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm down to try any cereal. Um my 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 take on peeps is like I've become known as this guy who loves peeps. People like to send me all kinds of like, oh, look, there's peeps there's peeps on pizza. Like just anything peep related oh. people send me because they think I'm a huge peeps fan, which isn't true. I have a strong take on peeps though. And it's that I I don't understand why everyone is so disgusted 
by Peeps. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a sugar-covered marshmallow. <laughs> it's a perfectly fine candy. It's not my favorite candy, but I'm not repulsed by it the way... I, and I don't even feel like it's legitimate. I feel like it's just one of those things where somebody famous acted totally grossed out about Peeps once upon a time, and then people who didn't really have a strong opinion about Peeps just sort of adopted that opinion because that seems to be the way our culture works right now. And so it's become like this meme, Peeps are obviously icky, when, I mean, they're, they're historical... Uh, you, you know, their their presence historically would suggest otherwise. I think eating a peep with some jelly beans is fine. Putting them on top of your pizza is atrocious. Oh, yes. It's no, disgusting. I, yeah, that is disgusting. Yeah. That's you just an example. A, of you want to put it in your tea? It's totally fine. It's all good. We're not judging here over on uh, Fantasy Baseball today, but that's all we got. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week right here Fantasy Baseball Today. Fantasy Baseball Today.